What's up guys, this is Taking the Field with Stevie Mac, and on this episode, you know I had to bring in my buddy Phil Rothermick, and we're going to sit down and break down a lot of these trades that have been going on around the PLL, the Atlas being involved with the bulk of those here the past few weeks, so we're going to get into them a little bit later on in this episode, but to start off, Phil, welcome back to the show, man. Hey man, thanks so much for having me, you know I love being here, I love talking lax with you. So uh, I was really excited when you reached out, and I was looking forward to it, so I'm glad we're here again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I said, a crazy couple weeks here in the PLL offseason with the trades that have been made. Like I said, we'll get your thoughts on those in just a minute. But I think with everything that had been going on, and we've talked about some of these trades as possibilities in past episodes. I know I specifically have gone into that a little bit here in the past couple episodes with guys like Pinnell that was traded and different things like that. I know you once even mentioned Ryan Brown as a possibility. I think it was the last time that we talked here on the show. So let's just go through one by one and I'll get your thoughts on these deals. And we'll start with the first one, probably one of the bigger ones this offseason, but one that I think we both kind of saw coming was Rob Pinnell being traded, and he goes to the Redwoods here for, it looks like, number three in this year's entry draft and a second-round pick in the college draft in 2022. So give me your thoughts on that Rob Pinnell trade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really an intriguing uh, trade. You know, first of all, it kind of started the whole trend for Atlas, (laughs) just trading people for picks. Like, we don't need another player to take a spot. We just want your picks. I think that Pinnell being on the Woods team, I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, Pinnell being on Atlas, he had a, he was surrounded by veterans that he was used to playing with on Team USA and other points in his life. So I think myself and a lot of people thought he might be able just to go in there and that would be another piece of the, of the, of the puzzle and they would all start to click because they already had that chemistry, right? However, it just didn't pan out the way we hoped. I think we saw Pinnell kind of uh, show, well, show himself as the Pinnell that we expected, uh, maybe in just a a handful of games at most, um, which leaves you to wonder, if he goes to the woods, is that going to be a better system for him? Is it going to work a little bit better? I mean, um, was it more a fact that uh, since the Atlas had veterans, people maybe weren't quite as fast? (laughs) You know, is it something like that? I don't know. But with the Woods, it's going to be really interesting to see because now you've got Kavanaugh on one side, you've got Garnsey on the other. Assumingly, of course, that Jules is going to come out of the box. Then you got Perk, and then you got Jones. I mean, that's that's a lot of firepower. You know, that's a lot. So if Pinnell wants to do his question mark dodge to try to get a goal, if he wants to try to bump it out and get around, he's going to have a lot of people. He's not going to have to worry about you know, anything at all. It's kind of like, if I can get to that guy, he can score. He can score. He can score. And then, of course, they have Perkovic that stretches it out to the two-point line. Um, So it's a little bit tough for me to say who won this because the collegiate draft this year is unbelievably stacked. And now for uh, Atlas to have acquired other picks, we'll talk about later. But this one already, I mean, it's it's a big thing. It's a big thing, but... um, I'm excited to see how Pinnell does. I really am. Are we seeing the downcline already, like a big drop-off? Or is this system just going to work better and he's going to walk in there and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, there's Pinnell. There is the guy. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think for these trades, especially the next couple that we're going to get to here in the next few minutes, it's hard to say who really won the trade on the surface because, like you said, we don't know what those picks are going to turn into yet. So it could be that the Atlas completely screw up those picks that they got in those trades. And then you can say, okay, well, because of that now, you, you kind of have to go with the other team as the team that won that trade because you know a little bit more of what they got out of it. But I think it is definitely, and I've talked about this on the last couple episodes, breaking down these trades with some of my thoughts is that you can't really judge who won them because of that, because you don't know the full extent of how they turned out. But at least on the surface, we can look at, okay, this is what they gave up. Here's what they got back in return. Let's assess yeah. that. And I think that for Pinnell going to the Redwoods, one of the things that I saw with this week's 10-man ride, the newsletter from the PLL, was that Nat St. Laurent made this trade solely, I guess, for the purpose of finding that quarterback at X for attack and being able to move the ball the way that we know Rob Pinnell can do. Like you said last summer, that was kind of his thing within that Atlas offense was being able to feed guys from X the way that he did. And that was their yeah. biggest thing was finding that guy. And it's similar to me to think about with the archers, how they went with Pat Spencer. He opted not to go to the PLL. So then they were searching that whole first year for that quarterback. And they finally got it with Grant Damon. Obviously it's a little different for the Redwoods getting a guy that's several years older in Pinnell, but I think they're hoping for that same kind of effect with him within that offense. Like you said, so the next yeah. trade that happened was Connor Fields being traded from the Chaos to the Archers for midfielder Ian McKay. So let me get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, so, I mean, here's, here's where it is, man. This is flat out it. People are a little bit worried of Connor Fields because of his turnovers. I mean, that is it. Period. Point blank. That's why Chaos sat him for a Well, towards the end of the championship series, he was not playing. Um... And they went to the championship game, which is a bad look for Connor Fields. He gets sat, and they start winning. Um, but you have to wonder. I mean, there is a certain degree, of course, where Fields is just flat out trying to do too much. I mean, he's trying too much to be the wizard. <laughs> um, but another part of it that you have to wonder is, was he being the wizard and trying to look for it to dump off and didn't have it? You know, was he mostly getting passes where he was in a bad situation and was trying to do something, make something out of nothing, right? Ian McKay is a sneaky good player. He's very consistent. He, had, he didn't have too many turnovers. He didn't have too many goals. But he is a sneaky good player that can help build a team, which is very beneficial, of course. I think the thing is that I'm, I can't wait to see is uh, Connor Fields in this Archers offense, right? Yeah. Uh, Connor Fields, uh, or excuse me, uh, the Archers, were second in overall assists in the league last year behind only the Whipsnakes. And keep in mind, the Whipsnakes played another game in the championship. So, with that being said, Archers are a team that is going to bump the ball around. I mean, they are going to, whether it's Ament, whether it's Manny, whether it's Pullman, whether it's Schreiber, they are going to bump that ball around until they get a good shot. They're not looking for a shot. They're looking for the best shot. That's how they play. Right. So when Fields gets there, is he going to be fitting into that and be ready to pass it around and get all those assists and everything and not be as worried about being, um, you know, like I said, the wizard trying to get through things on his own? Or is he going to get the ball 
and be the guy that wants to try to play hero ball essentially and go through three defenders to try to get a goal through swim moves and toe jags and all that. Um, that's going to be fascinating because it, one of two things is going to happen. He either reverts and it's you know turnovers and turnovers and he's just trying to do too much, or he's going to fit and archers are going to prove that sometimes offense wins championships. Yeah, and I mean, to that point, they do have one of the better, I think, defenses in the league, but now they just continue to add to that offense to be able to say yeah defense is good but you also have to score some goals too and now we're definitely in a position with the guys that we have to be able to score goals with just about anybody in the league including the whip snakes and i think that'll be one of the things to watch this summer is how they keep pace with a team like the chaos or the redwoods or the whip snakes whoever it may be so then moving on to this week, we saw a couple Atlas trades starting on Monday as Paul Rabel was traded and the sixth pick in this year's entry draft to the Cannons. He'll be their first officially rostered player for the Cannons. Uh, he goes to the Cannons for the number eight pick in this year's college draft, a first round college pick next year, and number nine in the entry draft this year. So give me your thoughts on Paul Rabel to the Cannons. Yeah. Um, with Rabel going to the Cannons, I will say uh, Atlas will lose. What Atlas will lose, the Cannons will gain in the sense of leadership. I mean, it's Paul Rabel. You know, I think he's kind of, I think we all could agree he's kind of on the downside from his prime, um, which, it, which is fair. I mean, the guy's been in the league for a long time, from the MLL to the PLL, and that's not bashing his career. That's just, uh, that happens with every athlete, man. That's just part of it. Um, but he has that leadership. You can tell with the way he carries himself, with the way he presents himself. When he, You can see in the little PLL videos with the way he is in the locker room. You can see how he runs down the field and he's looking ready to go, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out for him the way I would like to see. I think he's a fun player. But the point is he has leadership. Yeah. And the Cannons, you know, that's a special place for him. That's where he was drafted. First overall pick by the MLL, I want to say 2008. Could be wrong, but I think that was it. Um, but he's going back to that now. That's special for him. And the Cannons right now are going to need a couple of leadership guys. It's a new team. It's not like you are jumping into a team that has all these players. They know how they play. They're comfortable. Hey, welcome to the crew. Here's how we do things. I mean, he's the guy at the Cannons right now. Yeah. And when they start picking up more guys with the entry draft, uh, they're going to need someone that says, hey, welcome, man. Here's how I usually do things. What's up with you? Let's get things moving together. We're going to be on the same page. You can follow me. Get on my back. We'll do this together. That's what they're going to need. So I think that the leadership position is, is really big. It's more. It's bigger than goals or assists. It's the leadership. Having said that, Atlas, again, snaking some of those picks, man. It is very, very apparent that Atlas this offseason was kind of like, you know, hey, if you're interested in one of our players, give us a call, and, and we'll take some picks for them. You know, I mean, it was just, it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just crazy. But, but that's, that's my take on that trade. Yeah, and real quick before we get into the final one from this week, the Ryan Brown trade to the Water Dogs, I just want to touch on your point about uh, head coach Ben Rubio. He did say after the Rabel trade when they asked him about making all the moves that he's been making recently, he said, hey, we had we had two choices really. We could either just sit there and accept that 
the championship series happened and hope that these guys turned it around this year. And it was just this weird situation that these guys were in last year that they just didn't perform the way we know they could. Or our second option was we could just go all in, we could go for it, get rid of anything and everyone, get picks, and just do this thing the way that I think a lot of fans want us to. And he said, I just chose to do the second one. I chose that if we're going to do this, we're going to do it, and we're we're going to get rid of anybody that these teams, like you said, any of these teams might be interested in. So I thought that was a really good uh, comment by him. And then obviously the yeah. following day you saw that they traded Ryan Brown. So you're like, oh, so when he said we're going for it, we're, he, he really meant we're going for it here. So yeah, so back to that. Ryan Brown traded to the Water Dogs for that 11th overall pick in the 2021 college draft. Give me your thoughts on Ryan. Because I know you love Ryan Brown, and I know that you compared him to Mac O'Keefe, saying he's probably one of the best shooters not named Ryan Brown. So just give me your thoughts on your boy Ryan Brown. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I love I love all the teams, but I will say probably on each team I have a couple of guys that I, I personally love watching, whether it's for one reason or another, who knows. And what's so funny about this is after the Rabel trade, I was about to tweet out something along the lines of, unless your name is Baptiste, Concanon, Tucker Durkin, or Ryan Brown, you're, uh, you're not safe. And then I found out Ryan Brown was getting traded, and I realized no one is safe. There's no <laughs> safe person. Uh, you know, I think, I think uh, that's a tough one, man, because Ryan Brown, I truly believe, is in the top three shooters in the world. I really, truly believe that, if not in the top two with Mac O'Keefe. You know, I think I really believe that. And I thought that, you know, if they get Sowers first overall, which I, I really thought that they would, I thought that they would do something, but that is a guy that they would pick because he has too much talent to not pick him. Um, and I thought with Sowers on the backside and how good of a feeder he is and the way he can kind of get the attention of the defense, that they would keep Ryan Brown because Ryan Brown's just a sniper, man. He can release from any point, and he will decide where he wants it. It's no accident. Um, so it's tough, but you know you got to think about what the Atlas, what is the Atlas's goal right now, and that is draft pick. They released four guys, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see: Scotty Rogers, Colm Robinson, uh, Kyle Hartzell, which was a big one, yeah. and someone else in there I'm missing. I know I'm Thompson sure was got, one. But Jeremy Thompson. Yeah. Scotty Rogers, Kyle Hartzell, and Colin Robinson. There you go. Released four guys. They have now traded three guys. So they are clearing roster spots. They are getting picks. So as much as I think Ryan Brown is like a, a great piece to have on that attack, that's not their goal. What their goal is to do, get people out the door and get picks in. And that way they can turn this thing around with a ton of young talent with Costa Beal from last year but we all saw kill it, and then we're going to see Michael Sowers with the boys in blue, and we're going to see more players coming in there. Um, so I get it from their point of view. It was shocking to see. Uh, but the Water Dogs get a freak uh, attackman. Maybe that explains why Ryan Drenner is left unprotected, is because they kind of knew there was something working out. Yeah. But I think both sides got what they needed, and both sides got what they wanted. Yeah, for sure, and I think just overall for the Atlas, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, is just the fact that I think for Ben Rubior, it's not about 
having one, two, or three players necessarily. I think it's about building a whole team. And from top to bottom, whether it's defense, midfield, attack, it's not just, oh, on attack they have Ryan Brown, midfield they have Cosbiel defense, they have Cade Van Raphorst. It's no, on defense we got these three guys, then you move up to the midfield, we got these three, four, five guys that you can run out there, and then on attack we have these guys. So I think for him it's more just taking what was a team of three or four guys and making it a team of 22, 24, however big the rosters are going to be this summer because I know for the championship series it was 22 so I think it's more for him just team over individual at this point and I think that's what you're going to see with some of these entry draft picks and the college draft picks is guys that all really mesh together and play as a team and not just as Ryan Brown or just as Paul Rabel or whoever the case may be so now I'm kind of stepping on that next segment here, but I just wanted to throw that out there to you. So now we've talked about the trades. We've talked about what the Atlas gave up versus what they got back. Now we can start to look ahead a little bit here at the college draft more specifically because with some of the moves that they've made, they now have five picks in the top 20 with number 1, 8, 10, 11, and 17. And we've already talked about Sowers more than likely being that number one pick, but I think those next few picks for the Atlas with 8, 10, and 11 are really going to be interesting to see, and I'd love to get your thoughts possibly on who you could potentially see fitting with those picks for the Atlas there. Yeah, absolutely. I think selfishly, selfishly, I would love to see Docs, Docs Aiken go there because I'm a UVA guy, uh, and I think it would be so much fun to see him with Costabile because they're, they're such forces in college. Wherever uh, Doc Aiken goes, I'm going to be excited. I love the guy. He's great. Um, but that being said, they can use some midfield. Uh, Connor Buzik, he's unprotected. So he's, in my opinion, almost a lock to end up at the Cannons. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but I think so. So they could use some uh, midfield for sure. And then with the attackmen, I think it's pretty obvious now they need a wing guy. You know, I heard online somebody said that maybe they could get Mac O'Keefe. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. I think he'll go earlier. Uh, like someone's going to try to get him like right away. But if they could get him with Sowers, I mean, forget it, forget it, game over, man. Like that's stupid. And then, <laughs> but because uh, we all saw how deadly Mac was with Grant Ament, and that was Grant Ament is a feeder. And if you put Sowers, who's a feeder, with with Mac O'Keefe, you're going to see that same kind of production, in my opinion. They do need a backup goalie because Scott Rogers is gone, which I don't think you have to use one of your real top picks at all, but you're, but you're going to need one. And whether that's draft one or that's pick one up in the waiver wire, trade for one, they need one, period, yeah. because theirs is gone. Um, and I think defense, uh, Tucker Durkin, very cool. I mean, he is the guy. The guy is like a bull. He's <laughs> terrifying, right? But – Again, to match up with everything we've kind of talked about with the veterans, how much longer is he going to be in there? You know, do we need to start revamping that a little bit for Atlas? I think that they have holes at each spot. I mean, like I said, except for maybe the faceoff position. I mean, Trevor Baptiste has got it locked, and uh, they're not going to get someone better. You know, anyone better right. like Nardella is staying at the whips next. You're not, so you're not getting someone better. Yeah. So you, you're going to keep him. But, um, you know, I think. They have created holes on purpose to fill with the college level, like getting rid of Ryan Brown. 
they know they'll have to fill that. Um, they know they have to fill midfield. So what I think is, is going to make this so much fun is so many other teams, you know what they need. They need attackmen, period. They need attack, and they might need a midi or two, period. Atlas, they need attack, midfield, goalie, defense. It's like, <laughs> what you know, all these little parts in there. I think defense is probably a little bit towards the end of the list because I think they aren't too bad, but they need to gel a little more. Their starting goalie, Concanon, is a freak. I think he had the best save percentage when guys were shooting on the doorstep. So you got you got those things, but they know it as well as we know it. Rubier knows it. They have a lot of little pieces they got to take care of, and they are excited to use those picks. I guarantee you, they're sitting right now, and he's got everyone written down saying, "Well, let's get this guy. What about that guy?" <laughs> yeah, and I think that as far as this year's college draft too, because you have to look at twenty twenty two as well. They have now, I believe, six picks, assuming they get another base of four picks on their own because now they have the two first round picks the two second round picks so they do have six overall next year as well which I think will be really exciting to see how that turns out about a year from now but some of the guys that I think you could target within that 8 to 11 range with those three picks that they have at least guys that I think and guys that I've also seen thrown around a lot on Twitter the past few days since they've acquired those picks, guys like Ryan Tierney, Mac O'Keefe, uh, JT yeah. Giles Harris is one if you want to go defense there with one of those top picks. Even a guy like you said, Dox Aiken, nobody's really sure where he's going to fall in this draft. Some say he could go you know, top five or top six. Some say he could fall to like late second round possibly. It, it all just kind of depends on how the draft works out this year, obviously. And, and we can never really fully predict how these things go. So it's always just kind of up in the air, especially at this point in the off season. But those are just sure. some guys that uh, I threw around just in my head. Um, I, I'm sure you can agree with a lot of those because I think that they all fit those needs that you talked about throughout, whether it's defense, whether it's midfield attack, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't know if the Atlas really need to go goalie with the college draft necessarily. I yeah. think they'd more so look at it, like you said, through the player pool, or maybe they spend one of their entry picks on it since they do have the number three and number nine. I think it's all just where, like you said, kind of where they see the biggest needs being because they do have a need at every spot, just kind of plugging certain guys into those different spots. So it'll be interesting to see where they value that backup goalie position behind Kincannon, but like you said, a freak goalie nonetheless. So unless he gets seriously injured, hopefully not, but unless he does this year, I don't think they're going to need a, a huge need for a backup goalie, but it is a position worth filling nonetheless. But that'll do it for this episode of Taking the Field with Stevie Mac. We covered a ton of information about the different trades that have been going on around the PLL and about the Atlas in this rebuild and the way that Ben Rubior has chosen to go about doing it. I, as an Atlas fan, Phil, am loving what he's doing. I love that he said, hey, we basically have two options here. We can sit back and just hope and pray that last year was a fluke. Or we can do something about it, and I'm choosing to do something about it. I think that was a perfect way for him to sum it all up. And I don't think, believe it or not, I don't think the Atlas are nearly done yet this offseason. I think we're going to see a lot of 
mind-blowing moves by them and just the other teams around the PLL in general. I think this is only the beginning, so we'll definitely have to get you back on here pretty soon when that all goes down. But that'll do it for me and Phil, guys. You can check out past episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcasts, just to throw a few out there. We're basically anywhere you get your podcasts. But Phil, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thanks so much for having me, brother. I'll look forward to the next big news and joining you here again. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.